Hey, Shannon, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back, everybody. This is our fourth week. Is that right? I think it is. It's the fourth. Fourth week. Can you believe it? No. I can't either. Maybe we're getting a little better at this. I think we are. I hope so. <laughs> Let hope us so. know if we... If we need another, if we need a week five, <laughs> if we need to keep going and trying to get better or is week four enough? <laughs> no, nah, we're going to, we're going to do week five, whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right. This week we got Rome, New York, uh, but backing up with just a little bit, talking about, um, talking about last week we had Clarksdale, Mississippi. That is right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Clarksdale, Clarksdale. Did you hear Clarksdale anywhere this week? I did not. Randomly? Did you? I did. What? Um, Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram from Clarksdale. He's one of the guys I talked about that was from there. Uh, he He's a Delta Blues musician. He's around 20, 21 years old. Uh, and he uh, he popped up on my Facebook this week. Somebody had shared his shared one of his songs. Random. Yeah, and it was from his site, so I shared that on Facebook. We'll share it on uh, on my personal. Uh, but we'll share, you know, I uh, we'll try to share music every week or something cool we find on our Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. So, uh, we'll we'll give Kingfish some love. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's fish. he's really yeah, Kingfish. That's I mean, Chris Stone, King, Kingfish Ingram. We're gonna throw you some love out there, bud. You sound great. You're awesome. You're talented, and you've got you're gonna go a long way. Uh, your name's you know you're already a famous person from from Clarksdale, and that's uh that's pretty good company, man. So, good job to to Kingfish, and uh, look him up, look him up, and also just go to go to Clarksdale's. I don't know if I said it last week or not. I can't remember, but if I, but if you, I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> go to go to Clarksdale's Wikipedia page. Go down to to notable people from there. Uh, look at the musicians. Uh, you need to look up uh, Robert Johnson for sure. Uh, 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 Sam Cooke, all those guys. Uh, the Avid Brothers, one of the Avid Brothers, uh, Seth Avid. He actually did some uh, Sam Cooke covers on his Instagram not not long ago. Uh, so. Uh, look those guys up, uh, and you'll 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 have a lot of fun. Uh, I feel th- like we're gonna do this every week. We're gonna yeah. see something that reminds us of what we right. just talked about, kind of like when you buy a car, yeah, and then you notice all the cars that oh, you yeah. just bought. <laughs> that, I think that's it. But I, Robert Johnson, he he's gonna pop up. I, you know, I'm I play guitar and 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 play around, and I'm looking on Instagram, so uh, a lot of blues guys, and uh, so he pops up quite a bit in my life. So. So he, you know, him. He did pop up this week too. But Kingfish, I thought that was pretty cool. He's he's getting his name out there, and he's going to be big. So, uh, but we'll move right into Rome, New York, and go to the the city of the week. Rome had a lot. It had, had a lot, lot of yeah. interesting stuff. It's got a lot of history. It's a you know being in New York State and where it's where it's at. There's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll cover it. Um, I'll start out again, I guess, with the. With some of the history and some of the neat neat things that's going on there, and then uh, Shannon's got some stuff coming up. I haven't we haven't even talked about it. I don't even know what you got, so it's I'm, uh, stay tuned. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> did you uh, did you study the history of Rome any? I saw a little bit, right? A little bit of it. Okay. Well, let's uh let's get right into it. Rome, New York, is in the central part of New York. Uh, they they call it the leather stocking region, and it took me a while to figure out what the leather stocking region meant. Like, where did that come from? It just called it the leather stocking region. I was like, okay, what's the story? So they used to, the, the Native Americans in the area uh, would wear leather leggings, um, and they were called leather stockings. Hmm. So they called it the leather stocking region. 
the population is about uh, 32,000. Uh, that's the estimation from 2019. Uh, that'll be updated somewhere. So it's, it looks like it's gone down uh, just a little bit in the last 10 years. Um, just uh, recent history, a lot of the, the factories have shut down, like a lot of towns, with textiles and with uh, – uh, the, the, there's a lot of copper in this area that I'll talk about in a second. So, uh, so people are moving away a little bit, going to bigger cities. Uh, things have changed. Uh, like in like in a lot of places, things change and, and move. Uh, so people have too. Okay, but getting back to the early history, it was a portage site. Do you know what a portage site is? It took me a second. All right, I was, I was a Boy Scout, so here comes my Boy Scout knowledge. Portage site is, uh, that's where you, like, if you're in a boat, you get your boat out. You can't go any farther in a boat, so you have to get out and carry your boat. Okay. So you portage the boat from, you carry it from one set, one river one body of water to another that sounds terrible yeah it's terrible but <laughs> back in the day when you're using canoes and, and stuff like that you're uh you're you know it wasn't that bad mm-hmm. it was bad enough but it was just part of the deal you had to do it that was your it was still easier you know easier than any other travel you use your boats and you know once you got back on the water it's a lot better i don't know how long the the portage trail was uh between the Mohawk and Hudson Rivers, but that's that's the two main uh, bodies of water that they're talking about that the Portage site was at. There was a fort that was built in uh, 18, oh no, excuse me, before that. It was built in 1758, or started building, building it in 1758 and completed it in 1762. It's called Fort Stanwix. And it was, uh, I mean, that's pretty early, early fort, 1758. And it was, uh, it was built Right, right at the French and Indian War era, uh, so that's what what was going on. Uh, it was the side of the treaty between the British and the Iroquois Indians, and that kind of uh, it was a bad deal for the Indians. Not like they had any good deals, but this was they said this was one of the worst treaties for the for the Native Americans. From what I saw, it gave Kentucky to the colonies. Um, but the the Native American tribes that were in Kentucky didn't have anything to do with this, hmm. so they didn't know about this treaty. And hey, guys, we signed this treaty. Well, it, meant, it didn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. So that you know, just you know, the Iroquois made this deal, and it affected them some. But they had to move west of the uh, Appalachian Mountains. Hmm. And we're from East Tennessee. We live in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and we say Appalachia, not Appalachia. <laughs> so, there, there's uh, you go north. They might say Appalachia, uh, but down here we say Appalachian. So that's what that's where we're at. So uh, Fort Stanwix uh, was completed in 1762. Like I said, there was that uh, there was that um, that treaty, uh, and then they abandoned it in 1768. So ten years this this fort was being used. Um, so they just abandoned it in 1768. They didn't need it until. 1776 mm. big year for america mm-hmm. the united states uh that was a big year there the the revolutionary war was kicking up uh pretty big there of course everyone <laughs> knows that 1776 there's everybody in america the united states has heard of 1776 and the way we boast i'm sure everybody <laughs> in the world has heard <laughs> that that's right so <laughs> <laughs> so we uh we, we 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 got back in there in 1776 and used it uh, to fight the British. The British attacked in 1777, 
And during the attack, while they were attacking some some other guys, some other American troops, got in their camp, uh, raided their camp, blew up a bunch of stuff. Uh, so the British were like, "We got to get out of here." They kind of got the upper hand. Um, so we they ran into Canada, and uh, the local flo- folklore says this was the first time that the United States flag was old glory was flown over battle. Some people say that it wasn't the you know the 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 red, white, and blue. It might have just been red and white stripes. But I, I read something that did say there was some blue over there on, on there. It was probably it wasn't Betsy the Betsy Ross flag. It was a different flag that was probably homemade and mm-hmm. flown. But it was the United States. It was America. Right. You know, we flew that flag over a battle and we won. And uh, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. It's fine with me. We took it. We took it, <laughs> and the British didn't. <laughs> so that's a uh, that's a lot of history mm-hmm. right there. I that's mean, a ton of history. Seventeen seventy six, the British. Re- this was the Revolutionary War. The British attacked. We we beat them. They ran to Canada, um, and we also flew Old Glory over it for the first time. Uh, side note, or an extra note here, uh-huh. just go ahead and add that the guy that wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, the United States of America, okay. is from Rome. After the British went to Canada, we abandoned it in 1781. After the British, the British went back home, and and we became the United States. After they took off uh, in 1781, we abandoned that that fort again and then in the war of 1812 there was a blockhouse that was built in the parade grounds there and it was demolished in uh, 1828 it's it's sat empty or you know just left a ruin after that it was declared a national monument in 1935 and they started reconstructing the fort uh for tours and in 1974 Mm -hmm. uh, through 1978 so not very long ago they rebuilt the fort you can go there now. It's a star-shaped fort. It's uh, the pictures look really cool. If you're going to uh, if you're going up into New York, going anywhere close close to here, Albany, uh, or if you're going close to Buffalo, you might want to take a side trip, go through Rome. It looks like a really nice town, and head out to the uh, to the fort. Okay, now we're going to move on to something you've probably heard of, the Erie Canal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I like how you question. <laughs> I, I think there's a there's always going to be a segment in here. Is how can we stump Shannon? Can I stump her? That is not going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, I've got a lot of useless information, and sometimes it's just a little bit or just enough to get me in trouble. <laughs> but the Erie Canal. I didn't know a whole lot about. I did. I thought the Erie Canal was a lot wider than it was. Mm-hmm. It was built. It was built in. Started in 18, 1817, so over 200 years ago, right at 200 years ago. Well, the boats were pretty small. I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. about that. I thought the canal, you know, the Panama Canal is a very famous canal mm-hmm. that you've heard of and that everyone's heard of, and, you know, you can get pretty large ships through there. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. But it's I saw the pictures. It, it was They're tiny. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not getting a big ship through there. But you can, get, you can get barges and things like that, and I guess that's, you know, a lot of trade, a lot of smaller – boats back in 1817 and after that after it's completed in 1825 the first phase was in 1825 there's a lot of a lot of trade happening a lot of things being moved back and forth that couldn't be moved quickly or easily back then so it uh really changed the economy in that whole region Mm -hmm. all along uh all along the Erie canal it's 363 miles so that's pretty long Mm -hmm. it was built 
it was built by the, the governor of New York was like, we're going to build this thing. It's going to help. And nobody knew how they were going to do it. He just said, we're going to do it. I think we can do it. It's going to help. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful for New York. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we he just started and threw money at it and they finished it. They did it. There was a, there was huge uh, walls they had to go through just solid cliffs that they had to blast through. Um, they, they didn't pay very well. Um, it was hard work. Uh, so there's a lot of, they said there was a lot of drinking on the job and the guys would like blast and then like, instead of running, just, they were so laid back cause they'd been drinking. They just covered their heads with their shovels <laughs> and just go back to work. <laughs> there was like a thousand people that died while they were building it. Oh wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So they just, I mean, they were not following OSHA. No, there was no OSHA. <laughs> they just, they were drinking on the job. Like just cause it was, the conditions were so bad. They're like, well, might as well. It's not going to get any worse. <laughs> I guess and then they, they, you know, they blast the the blast the limestone and just cover cover their head with a shovel and just keep going, just not worried at all, just tough men uh, working on this thing. So, like I said, the first phase was completed in 1825, and it connected the Hudson River to the Great Lakes, and the highest spot on the canal is 420 feet, so uh, elevation. So there's locks in there that go up and down, just like the uh, the Panama Canal that you hear, you know, I know about the locks there. Uh, I didn't know about the locks on the Erie Canal. Hmm. And there's 30-something locks, I believe. Uh, so it really opened up the, the central New York, uh, well, just all of New York. Uh, a lot of the big cities were built along the Erie Canal. Uh, so that and Buffalo didn't exist until the Erie Canal did. So that's okay. a huge, huge city. Yeah. So after trade started getting better through the Erie Canal, uh, Rome became known as the Copper City. Uh, they first started out, their big export was, was cheese. In 1851, Jesse Williams started the cheese factory, and um, and uh, they still used that large large production cheese factories. They still kind of use his process that they did. He started way back when in 1851. Hmm. And a lot of dairy farmers in this region sold milk to New York City and were able to do that through Erie Canal, and then later interstate travel. Um, Revere Copper Products, this is where the Copper City came in, uh, was founded, was, well, after some merges, ended up in Rome in, in 1928. Uh, the Revere, if you, mm-hmm. Paul Revere, mm-hmm. uh, you know, started Massachusetts, and it was, and I cannot say Massachusetts. <laughs> so, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry from everyone in New England. I'm from I'm from East Tennessee. I'm sorry. Just uh, l- just let it go. I love. I've been I've been to Boston. I've been up that way, and it's it's a lovely city. Uh, and I'll, I'll apologize. But <laughs> maybe if you say angry, angry like the Bostons, like you know. <laughs> are you saying I I'm said it's a saying, nice town? Are you saying they're angry? No, I'm just saying their voice sounds. Their voice sounds angry. angry. I like it though. It's intimidating. I'm not, all right, I just insulted them by saying their state wrong. I'm not <laughs> going to try to do an accent at all. You know, uh, there is the Pak the Kai and Ivan Yad. So there's, there is that. I kind of thought you would. Yeah, I just had to do it. I'm sorry. I d- <sighs> okay. All right. I can do the, the Pak the Kai. And <laughs> it's got smart Pak. Now I'll just try to say the state name. <laughs> Massive, no, it's not going to work. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, 
Uh, Paul Revere started the copper company, the uh, a copper company way back when, and it, after some mergers, they they started calling it the Revere Copper Products, and it ended up in Rome. And um, so, the copper production was pretty pretty big in in Rome until recently, the last thirty forty years, kind of dwindled down. Um, Rome is also the site of Griffiths Air Force Base was uh, built in eight, 1951. It's in operation to 1991, 1993. Uh, they started shutting down some Air Force bases and military bases in the early 90s. Uh, they didn't need as many uh, after World War II, uh, the Vietnam War. Things were slowing down. The bases uh, with uh, with aviation and and all that, jets and stuff. We didn't need as many bases. We could get from base to base quicker than before. Uh, that was some of the some of the uh, the reasoning behind that and uh, cutting budgets and all that kind of stuff too. Uh, so they closed it, but uh, the the Rome research site is there. Um, they they do a lot of research there for uh, for radio and and different Air Force uh, defense. Uh, the Eastern Air Defense Sector is also there. Uh, the uh, Air Force Base was also the site of Woodstock 1999. Do you remember that? No. You remember? You <laughs> <laughs> now, you're probably watching MTV in 1999, weren't you? I mean, I was born in 88. <laughs> so you were 11. Okay. Well, I was in college in 1999. I doubt I was watching okay, Woodstock 99. <laughs> okay. I was watching Woodstock 99. I was in college in 1999. So, I, let's say I was 20. So, I was watching MTV uh, a lot of people that w at, were at Woodstock 1999 were my age. So, so yeah, I was paying attention. You know, Co Kurt Loder <laughs> was uh, letting me know every day what was going on at Woodstock 99. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Carson Daly, I'm sure, talked about it. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot of lot of bands that I, you know, I grew up listening to in the 90s that were there in the early 2000s. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, their mm -hmm. set was pretty famous because there was a lot of bonfires going on at that time and people breaking stuff. Speaking of breaking stuff, Limp Biscuits song when Limp Biscuit was on stage, Fred, old Freddie Durst, mm -hmm. he was uh he kind of got the crowd riled up and they started breaking stuff during the song, break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Freddie was wearing his red hat. I think I don't know if he was wearing his red hat. It probably was. If he wasn't, everybody was wondering where his red hat was. But anyway, he got the fire. He got the crowd fired up. They started ripping things apart. Everybody was mad already because uh, there was like two thousand, two hundred thousand people there. There was, uh, there wasn't a lot of water, and they like cut off the people's water there for a while. There wasn't any showers, and they thought there were showers, so they didn't have showers for days. The uh, you're talking for Woodstock. For Woodstock, okay. yeah, there wasn't like, the, yeah, the bathrooms weren't the bathroom situation wasn't great, which will make people angry after a few days. Yeah, it was on this huge Air Force base, and there wasn't a lot of camping tent areas in the grass and it was like 100 degrees there in the middle of the summer so there was th people had to camp on the the tarmats on the asphalt Ugh. and um someone did not think this through yeah <laughs> didn't think it through and the 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 stages were like two two and a half miles apart oh. so to get from one stage to the other you had to walk across this empty field there was no trees <laughs> there was no shade nothing so it was just a bunch of angry kids <laughs> you know getting angrier by the day and hotter and stinkier and Ugh. and yeah just not a good not a good site uh everything was expensive all the food that was in there was like you know hot dogs were 10 bucks and we're talking about college kids and 
1999. <laughs> you know, there was, I mean, I, there was a part of me in 99, I was like, I'd like to go to Woodstock 99. <laughs> so I missed 94. I was too young in 94. But 99, I, I mean, I could have gone to this. Mm-hmm. And I, there was, at least for a split second, you know, I, I know I thought, I'd like to go to Woodstock. <laughs> so I, I saw some different things where people, there was some people that did love it. They had a good time. Um, others talked about how crazy it was. But, you know, looking back, it's one of the best times of our lives. So. Mm-hmm. It was uh, there were some there were some awesome bands there. Just go back and look at the list and uh, get a taste of late nineties, early two thousand nostalgia, and uh, and have some fun <laughs> listening to that music. So when yeah. I was eleven, you were eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that much older than you, but then when we start talking about nineteen ninety nine, you were eleven and I was twenty. That that's a pretty that's a pretty big set separation. I was we playing were junior pro. Yeah, and you, you were. were. <laughs> I was in college. Yeah, yeah. I was years into college so <laughs> yeah so it's uh so that's that's uh woodstock uh not a lot's been going on in rome since then i say that i'm sorry rome if there's been something going on please let us know we'll we'll add it we'll put it on our on our social media and we'll we'll uh we'll update that's kind of what we want to do we want to say hey bring light to things that are going on there uh there's been some i know there's been some bad news out news stories coming out of rome uh, in the last couple of years, ten years or so, but I saw some stuff on YouTube. But uh, wait, what stories? Just no, I'm just not, not anything bad. It was I think ABC or somebody, 2020 or something, did a story about New York and how or Rome and how people were moving out, and there wasn't anything for people to do there, and just kind of downed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's some lovely things in Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it looked like a pretty cool sa- uh, city. Uh, some notable people, f- notable. People from there, uh, I said this guy, I didn't tell you his name, Francis Bellamy. Um, he's the author of the Pledge of Allegiance. So he's, he's not from the, the Star Spangled Not Bale. the Star Spangled, <laughs> not Francis Scott Key. <laughs> and, um, also, Alex Haley lived there for a while. He's the author of Roots. Oh. Yeah, and if you've not seen Roots, you need to see Roots. Mm-hmm. You need to see that, that movie, uh, LeVar Burton uh, from Reading Rainbow, Scoot Kente. Don't call him Toby. His name is Kuta Kente. That's for real. You need, if you watch that movie. <laughs> yes, need. I have seen that. Okay. Yes, All yes, right. I really have. All right. And Alex Haley, he ended up, uh, he ended up living in uh, close to us too in Clinton and Knoxville area. So we're from East Tennessee. So he lived, uh, he lived down here. And there's a lot of stuff with Alex Haley uh, in our neck of the woods. Um, also, uh, Pat Riley. Pat Riley's from there. Now I looked Pat Riley up, and it said Schenectady. New mm-hmm. York. It did not say his Wikipedia did not say he was from Rome. Okay. But Rome said he was from there. They're trying to get part yeah. of Pat Riley. Yeah, moving moved him a couple miles moved him a couple miles west. Uh but Pat Riley, I'll go ahead and tell you about him if you don't know who he is. Uh, he was uh the coach of the Lakers. He was also a, he was also a great player. Uh but he ended up being a coach of the Lakers, the Knicks and the Heat. Uh he had a little something to do with uh five championships uh as a coach and as a team president um the whole heat uh lebron james um who was that lebron Dwayne Dwayne wade Wade and all that yeah he had a big part of that as 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 president of the heat also uh benjamin wright going back to the erie canal the chief engineer of the erie canal was benjamin wright and he was from Rome. rome yeah okay shannon it's up to you now 
What do you have? What do you have for us this week? Today, in Rome, New York, we're going to go all the way back to 1976. This is old. That's before I was born, too. Was it? Okay. (laughs) Barely, but I mean a couple years. We need to fact check that. (laughs) Fact check that it was before me. I feel like that's so long ago. Yeah. I can't believe you were born in the 70s. Barely. (laughs) Barely. Like, I... I barely had my eyes open in the 70s. I got like five. I was July. Okay. July 79, so I don't remember any of it. I do remember some of the styles that lingered around into the early 80s. I yeah. remember all the mm-hmm. the dark browns and the... Afghan. Is that Afghan time? Afghans? Like there was a lot of Afghans, yeah, in the early... Like they were on everybody's couch that yeah. they made and then... Uh, oh, what's the other stuff? Like the hanging baskets. They were... Oh, what was mm-hmm. that stuff called? Macrame, mm-hmm. another big thing. Shag carpet. Shag carpet I feel was like still would come around. Seventies. Yeah, there was a lot of shag carpet around in in, in my grandparents' house and, and in friends' houses. Um, yeah, a lot of browns, a lot of greens, just drab like pea greens and golden. What was the what was the yellow called? My parents' kitchen. They built their house <laughs> in seventy eight, and it was all straight golden. Up 70s. Yeah, some kind of golden. There was some kind of color but yeah straight up 70s you know all my all my friends parents had the same pictures up on their wall and like little <laughs> things it was so crazy <laughs> like orange countertops and yellow countertop it's just so weird yeah a lot of stuff going on in the 70s yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway took that right over going down memory right <laughs> memory lane we're going way back to when jason was alive in the yeah. 70s which seems so far away but on the evening of november 6 1976 59 year old stanley Grisick and his wife esther were attacked in their home in rome there stanley and his wife esther stanley and esther mm-hmm. okay they were attacked in their home in rome from what I read, little rabbit trail, Esther had a hearing impairment where she couldn't hear. So she had to have a hearing device to hear anything. And when Stanley came home, he would she was fixing up the kitchen like after dinner and he would always run her a bath every night. Oh. Best husband ever. That's sweet. Yeah. Ryan, you should take some notes <laughs> from Stanley. <laughs> Their home was attached to a gas station and a liquor store that they owned, both of those things. According to Esther, two unidentified men wearing ski masks broke into their home, hogtied her in the kitchen, and appeared to ransack the home. Esther noticed that one of the men was carrying a small pearl-handled gun. Of course, as I mentioned before, she was deaf, and without her hearing aids, she could not hear. During the struggle, they fell out. This left Esther unable to hear what was going on in the home. She laid motionless on the floor for almost an entire hour, faking that she was dead. She was holding her breath. So I imagine not being able to hear was probably a good thing because if you were hearing stuff, I know I would probably be wincing and maybe gasping. She she didn't know if somebody was right next to her. Right. Feel it, but she couldn't hear. Right, and so since she couldn't hear what was going on, she relied on the vibrations on the floor. Mm -hmm. Once the vibrations stopped, Esther was comfortable enough that the intruders had vanished. She then freed herself from the ties that bound her and quickly left to find her husband, Stanley. 
As Esther was frantically searching for her husband, she discovered him in the dining room, dead. When police arrived at the scene, they prevented the family from entering the home. They told the fam they told all family members that this was to perform a thorough search of the home so that right. they wouldn't mess up the crime scene, I guess. Right. It appeared to police and the family that the intruders were searching for something very specific. Hmm. I mean, she laid on the floor for an hour, right. almost an hour, and for them to go, and they okay, were there. Wow, yeah. Hour. Now, see, that what I was thinking, they owned a liquor store and a gas station, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to think that they've got money or at least access to the money, and they're going to try to rob them of money is what I want to think. Right. They would think that, but they were in there for an hour, so right. they're either searching for money or valuables or just all of it. All right. Hang on just one second. Okay. Okay. We, we, we took a second there. I don't know if you could tell, but we uh, had to hush my dog up. Sorry about that. She's old, <laughs> and uh, we're down in a basement, but she uh, she's old, and she, she likes to start barking this time of night for no Aww. reason. So uh, sorry about that. If you could hear that, we're, uh, we apologize, but she should – be quiet for a little while anyway. She's got a treat. So, <laughs> so she's going to bark in 10 minutes to get another, another treat. treat. She <laughs> might do it. She's, uh, she's a lab, so she's pretty smart. She knows how to work me. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Shannon. Go right ahead. That's go back. okay. So it appeared to police and the family that the intruders were searching for something specific. The entire house was ransacked, but the only thing that was missing were two bottles of beer from the fridge. Two bottles of beer. Two okay. bottles of beer. No, like keys to the safe and the, the the drop box, the drop safe in the in the gas station. No, nothing. no. So the two next beers. day, yeah, just two beers, and that could have been hmm. maybe you know they hogtied her. They thought she was dead, and I do, I didn't mention that Esther. They did hit her. She wasn't unconscious, but she did fall to the floor. Obviously, she wasn't unconscious. She was just faking like she was dead. How old were they? He was 59, and she was 59. a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're they're older. And they didn't. Okay, I'm tr I'm just trying to think of what the motive is because I haven't heard the story. I'm thinking just I'm thinking what you guys are thinking. Just yeah. kind of go along with the story. And it's interesting. This story has not really got a lot of publicity until Unsolved Mysteries did a segment on uh, Stanley's death. The new one or the one with Robert Stack? That was a bad impression, but. My brother, if he's listening to this. It was season you, three, so it seems pretty unsolved, early. Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. It was going to be Robert Stack. It is brother. Robert. I remember saying yeah. that name. Sorry. He's, my brother's <laughs> a little. My brother's getting a little cringy right now because I, I, I still send him. And we'll probably talk about Unsolved Mysteries more than this, but I'll send him like the intro or just send him oh, Robert Stack's yeah. picture mm -hmm. and creep him out every once in a while just to mess with him. So Yes, that theme there song you go, is Will. creepy. Yeah, be creeped out. Maybe you're listening to this before bed and you're going to be creeped out like I used to when we were kids. Yes. All right. Okay, so the next day, Esther's son, Martin, came to the house where he found a shell casing on the rug. Now, rewind, the police didn't let the family in right? because they were searching and making sure the crime scene stayed okay. And he found a shell the but next day, a the casing. Sorry. Yeah, the son found a shell casing on a rug underneath the dining room floor. Where Esther, oh, okay. yeah, where Esther had found her husband lying dead. So Martin was, of course, dumbfounded on how police missed this important piece of evidence. He contacted authorities immediately, gave them the shell casing, and was told by police not to mention this to anyone, hmm. which is very weird. Right. Why would you miss a shell casing on the floor but notice two beers are missing from the fridge? 
Now, you said it was under a carpet. Is that right? No, it was on top of the rug. On top of the rug. Under the dining room table. Like, it was like it a was little bit under right the... Right close to his body. Right. Wow. Yeah, that seems like it's going to be hard to miss. Yeah. And then why would the police Because that's where I'd be looking. I'd be looking right around his body. Right. And the shell casing, I'm going to think, uh, you know, a revolver is not going to eject shell casings. You're going you're gonna to keep those. Mm-hmm. It's going to stay in the gun. Even if you hit reload, you're going to... Maybe you might just drop them, but you might put them in your pocket or something. So if it's an automatic or semi-automatic uh, pistol, then so it's going to eject. You're going to thinking. I mean, I'm not a cop, and I want to know that that they eject, and I want to know about how far. Just me, because I have them. So. Right. And to keep going back, Esther said that she saw one of the men. Did I mention that? I think I did. That Esther saw one of the men carrying a gun with a pearl handle. Did yeah. I mention that? No, you didn't. Okay. I will mention that then. But interestingly enough, Martin shared this information with his family, and to everyone's surprise, the autopsy report of Stanley came back with the cause of death of a stab wound to the chest. Even though they found a bullet. They found a shell casing. You know what a shell casing is? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bullet's gone. It's just the brass. The remains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the family disputed this information, telling police that they did not keep guns in the house at all. So how could this shell case appear in the dining room? They said it had to have been shot from someone that night. The family had Stanley's body exhumed, and a second autopsy was done and revealed that the death was actually from a twenty-five caliber bullet in his chest, and there was no sign of a stab wound at all anywhere on Stanley's anyway. body. Okay, let me give you a little side note here of, of useless. I don't know, useless. I'm using it right now, so it's useful. Uh, and a lot of people know this. It's been talked about. Hitmen use small caliber weapons, and and people who know they because they they stay inside the body and they will actually ricochet and cause more damage. Mm-hmm. So 22, 25 cat 22 is pretty popular. 25 is also a small caliber, just a little bit bigger than 22. Uh, and it will bounce around. Like, shoot somebody in the head, it'll bounce around the skull inside and cause a lot of damage and drop them. And it doesn't make a lot of noise either. So, mm. that's, I haven't ever, I don't know that from experience, people. <laughs> I know that from, <laughs> I know that from hearing it from somebody else, from hearing it from true crime and, and all that kind of stuff. So Right. But interesting that the family had the body exhumed. The autopsy, the first one revealed that it was a stab wound to the chest that was the cause of death for death right. for Stanley. But in actuality, the second autopsy said it was a gunshot wound to the oh. chest. Okay, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start guessing now. This is my guess right now. I don't know if it's gonna be right, but I'm thinking all right, the cops messing stuff up. The autopsy even being wrong. New York. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say organized crime somehow. Like the mob? Like the mob somehow. Mm. That's where I'm going. We'll see if it heads that way. Could be. The family suspected immediately a cover-up, but the case went cold. And sadly, two years later, Esther passed away. The family said that she just never recovered from the death of her husband, and she kind of was grieving right, died of from a her loss. Heart, yeah. mm-hmm. So years went by with no leads in the case, and in 18, (laughs) years went by with no leads in the case, and in 1989, a decade later, a witness came forward. You were alive in this one. Yes, I was a year old. You were a year old. I I was 10. (laughs) A witness came forward saying he knew who killed Stanley. 
This witness stated that a man had asked him to break into the house, which he said he refused to do. With this new information, the case was reopened. Stanley's neighbor, Amy Scott, told authorities that she saw the killer several times before the murder actually took place. Like just hanging around, or do you know that? Like just going in, like new Stanley? Well, hold your horses, I'm so, Jason. I'm sorry. We're going to get into this. I need to this. know this. I need to know. <laughs> I'm on the, I'm. So two other witnesses also came forward to police stating that they saw the men in the days leading up to the murder. One witness, Patsy Peck, told police that she had already given them this information in 1979, but the original investigators never recorded it. So I just have to think that the police are involved somehow, that this has to be some sort of cover-up by the original investigators. How could you miss so much information, mess up an autopsy? Like, who all is involved in this? Right. In the 70s in New York, I mean, we're not... You know, the law enforcement, they've got a, it's a, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with law enforcement. I know, um, I, you know, but in the seventies, it's known in New York, you know, New York city, there's movies about Mm -hmm. the corruption in the cops in 90, in the seventies. So, you know, upstate New York, I don't know how, how different it was. I don't know, Uh, but you know, I know that there's, there's movies about them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so either the police and people involved were covering this up or they just did a really terrible job. So during the reinvestigation, authorities learned that Stanley's brother, Peter, owned a liquor license for a bar that one of the witnesses had worked at. The killers were allegedly seen at the bar around this time of the murder. So this witness had mentioned to authorities that they saw the two men and they described them these two men that came in they went to the back of this bar handed someone whoever it this was is stanley's brother's bar yes so stan they didn't know this they didn't put stuff together or maybe they did know it i don't know mm. but so this these witnesses or this witness had said he saw these two men described them come into the bar hand someone a envelope with a full of cash Mm -hmm. a lot of money in there right so two composites were made of the suspected killers one was described as a tall white male with dark hair the other was a shorter stockier white male with sandy blonde hair stanley's neighbor amy scott who i mentioned earlier told police at around 11 p.m on the night of the murder she let her dogs out and was watching them from the window while looking out the window she noticed two men walking towards stanley and esther's house a half an hour later, she watched the men, but that can't be right. Why is that? Well, because Esther said she laid there for an, an hour. hour. But she couldn't hear if she if they left, so she, it okay. might have been 30 minutes that when they true. left, and then she laid there for another 30 minutes before she felt comfortable enough to, that is true. to, to get up, so it could be 30 minutes. I like the way your brain's working. Yeah. A half an hour later, <laughs> she watched the men get into a Lincoln Continental. Now, I do remember Lincoln Continentals because <laughs> I yeah. believe that my dad had one. Those are awesome. Uh, Dak <laughs> Shepard has a Lincoln. Um, he, I think he named his kid Lincoln. Really? Yeah. It's hmm. a cool car. So, yeah. Amy watched these two men get into the Lincoln Continental and speed down the street. According I think my papa had a Lincoln, too, with suicide doors. Sorry. Okay. I just, my mind just wandered to that. <laughs> I think it was a Lincoln. It was, yeah. 
There was just a couple of years. Never mind. Now I'm fixing to go off. <laughs> okay. I'm fixing to go down a road. Right. Okay, let's I'm go sorry. back. Go, go, go According to Amy, a few days later, while sitting at the bank in the drive-thru, through her, through her rearview mirror, she saw the men again in a car. They were following her for several blocks until she pulled her car into the police station. This is Amy, right? This I'm is sorry, Amy. I'm, yes, I'm still the neighbor. In my head for just a I'm sorry. <laughs> the suicide doors. All right, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Amy, <laughs> Amy was going to the police station. Well, no, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> Amy I'm was sorry. at I the bank, you. saw the two men in okay. her rear view, and they were following her. Okay. So this is kind of mob-like. When I think about movies, I think, yeah. you know, they know that she saw her because they were probably looking at the window and... Yeah. Put you know, a trail on her. Yeah. So in March of 1989, <laughs> a new <laughs> in March of 1989, a new witness came forward, revealing to police that he knew the identity of the person that hired the killers. The witness was a known drug dealer and stated in 1976 he was working at a bar in Rome, which is Stanley's brother's bar. Yes. A couple of days before the murder, a man that was associated with the bar asked the informant to pull a robbery. He took the informant to Stanley's home and told him there was a large amount of money there. The informant later stated that he refused to do the robbery. Stanley's family believed that he may have known too much information about what was going on at the local bar that his brother Peter owned. Now, Peter ended up dying before Stanley died. He was sick. Peter. Peter, his brother, ended up dying before Stanley was murdered. Okay, so the right. brother Peter on the bar. Yes. And he died before Stanley. Okay. Yes. Well. So, and he was very hmm. sick, according to his family. And the local bar was shut down later. This was after Stanley even passed away. Right. Was shut down from gambling and, Ill and illegal selling of controlled substances. Mm, okay. So prior to Peter's death, Stanley had visited him, and they had a secret conversation behind closed door. Stanley never revealed to his family what that conversation was, but he never spoke to his brother again. And according to his family, all they were all very, very close. And so when he went to visit him, they had right. they had their own conversation, and then he never spoke to his brother. So he must have told wow. him something yeah. in his death. Well, they of, knew something, yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, and I'm gonna wait just a second, but I, I'm I'm gonna listen. But I think I know what where things are going. So, tell me where you think things are going. Okay. So Peter is that his name? Uh -huh. Peter and Stanley were getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley Peter was sick. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that Stanley knew a lot more about what was going on at the bar than anybody in his family knew. He right. was in with his brother. They were making a bunch of money. Peter got sick. He died. There was somebody else in town, somebody else that had something to do with this. I don't know if his family or not, but somebody had something to do with this. Peter's out of the picture. Stanley's kind of connected, but not really connected. But knows too much, maybe. But knows too much. Let's get him out of the way so we can take this empire and we can have it for our own. Maybe they owed yeah. money they and have, didn't pay or something. Yeah, but we don't have to worry about Stanley or Peter. Peter's already gone. He died. Uh, let's just get uh, Stanley out of the way. We don't have to deal with it. So, so sorry to tell you, but this case is still unsolved. Still unsolved? <laughs> still unsolved. I think unsolved. I just solved it. <laughs> I think I just solved I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely shady. Stanley knew more than his wife knew. Any, well, I don't know. Esther might have known too, but you know the rest of his family. If they did know something, they were keeping it quiet. Might have been. I uh, feel I, like you, know, you speculate. 
but somebody knew something. Stanley knew probably well, knew more than and what was going on. family did say that after he had this conversation with his brother, that he was nervous and kind of what's the word paranoid. Right. He was just on edge a lot since yeah. his brother, and I See, think his brother died four months or something before, before he had died. And he died of a heart attack. It was sickness, so I'm not sure it didn't. Did the same coroner decide that <laughs> that was a heart, heart attack? I that don't decides know. that 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 it's that the same coroner that decided a uh, a gunshot wound, a stab was, wound. Who know. knows? I don't know, but he he knew something. <laughs> but stab, I don't I don't know the that stab wound was caused by a 25 caliber bullet. <laughs> yes, and uh, Peter's <laughs> heart attack. Peter Peter's gunshot wound was caused. <laughs> heart attack was caused by a gunshot wound. Yes. Yeah. So, investigators never came up with enough evidence to charge anyone with the murder of Stanley. And the case remains officially unsolved. They did have a prime suspect in mind, which they never named. But they didn't think they had enough evidence to bring him down. Hmm. But they never named who it was. So, he's just out there. Nah, they're in the 70s. They're they're gone. They're dead. They're dead. Or they're, they're... We were still alive. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i wasn't in 76 (laughs) yeah or there's some old dude and have y'all have you watched the uh the irishman if you watch that with robert de niro yeah i'm pretty sure he's the old dude it's pretty new on netflix where he's the old dude in the uh no i haven't oh he's not he kind of he was a mobster hitman who kind of went back in time he was in uh in a nursing home he's the only one that made it to be old I did read on other forums that, you know, there was a lot of mob ties around Rome and just around that area in general. Yeah, I don't know Rome, New York very well, but I mean, New York in the 70s, it's just, it's just known that that, that, uh, you know, New England, that New York and around that area, there was a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's stuff going on around here too, and even in East Tennessee, you know, I've heard ties, yeah, I've heard ties of people who who lived down here that were tied to the mob mm-hmm. in different ways. I mean, there's those rumors anyway. You never know for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they want it. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, that's pretty cool. Rome, uh, you know, I, I, Rome's a really nice town. I know it doesn't, we, we kind of, <laughs> we do the true crime thing and it kind of, kind of might not shed the, a positive light on it, but this is just one, uh, one part of history. And I just said something, you know, about, about the, you know, the mob and all that kind of stuff, organized crime. But, there's a lot of good people in Rome too. There's a lot of good history there. It's a lot of good history to see. Uh, take your family and go go check it out, Rome. Uh, it looks pretty cool, and you got the Erie Canal, and uh, I've learned a lot. Yeah, me too. I wonder what we're gonna see all through this week. That's gonna remind us of Rome, New York. Yeah, I know. There'll probably be a. I'll be flipping through the channel, channels, and there's Erie Canal documentary. And the Irishman. You're gonna think about this the podcast. Irishman. Yeah, I want to think. You know, that I had to do with uh, <laughs> that was from Michigan. So, oh, okay. But with the Erie Canal, they were they linked. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty far linked. But uh, <laughs> anyway. It's a really far link. I was thinking about Whitey Bulger, you know, yeah. uh, coming down from Boston, but I mm-hmm. doubt that. That's too far away. We did, you know, we did link Paul Revere from uh, Boston, around Boston to to Rome, but I mm-hmm. don't think we can get Whitey. He's too, uh, he was a Boston guy. Yeah. He was out of his area here. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Whitey. Bo- yeah. yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool story. There's yeah. a it goes pretty deep. Yeah, I listened to a podcast about him not too long ago. Oh. So, yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Uh, thank y'all for listening this week. 
Uh, check us out on all of our social media platforms. Uh, we're on a few. We Instagram, got a, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us at. Yeah. You can email us at yourtowncrimepod at gmail.com. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And you can uh, you can go to our website at www.com. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. All right, that <laughs> she just blew her eardrums out with that laugh. All right, no, no, that that, that came from a different podcast that does that. They I think they've got they bought that domain <laughs> www.com. Now we're uh, www.yourtowncrimepod.com. Yes. Yeah, that was the first domain I ever bought. Ooh. I never thought I'd buy a domain, but I did. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's just cool. I own a domain. Yes. Uh, I'll sell it for the right price, so, you know. No. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Maybe not. Shannon won't let me. All right, so Instagram's Your Time Crime Pod. Um, so check us out on there. We're going to link stories every week. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Kingfish. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Kingfish. Mm-hmm. Sorry, man. He's so good. I forgot his <laughs> name. I'm going to. I'm gonna go buy some. I'm gonna go buy some of your stuff right now, just just to give you a little boost, man. Kingfish, come to East Tennessee. Yeah, Jason not will too far sit away. front row. I'll I'll uh, I'll play bass for you or something, <laughs> maybe. Oh. I will I will attempt to play bass, <laughs> and uh, you just do your thing, and uh, we'll turn me down. And you know. <laughs> anyway, man, you're doing you're doing good. All right, Rome, Rome. I didn't. Uh, there were some musicians from there. I'm sure. So uh, just look them up and see what's up. We will post <laughs> some things about Rome. Uh, we'll we'll link some stuff in Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. So just look there, and uh, and we'll get you some Rome information. If you do have Rome, if we got anything wrong, which we're sure we did, we know we're not we're not perfect. We're Wait not, a minute. Speak okay, I'm not perfect. Shannon is perfect. <laughs> I'm not a professional researcher, <laughs> um, and I'm, we have family, so. Uh, so if we got something wrong, or we missed something, or you want to add something, let us know, and uh, and we'll 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 promote it, or uh, we'll share what you've shared to us, and we'll get that out there. Yes, yeah. and guess what time it is? It's time to throw the dart to yes. see. and see it's your turn. Next. It's my turn. Yeah, you got to go <laughs> last week, so so you know I'm guessing it's going to be uh, southern, <laughs> southern central <laughs> United States, Texas, and Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, and, Mississippi. And, uh, Mississippi. Yeah, I'm going to throw the try to aim and end up in Mississippi. Just right. don't aim. Just I'm close glad your I hit eyes. Clarksville, uh, Clarksdale, though. Excuse me. Clarksville. Clarksdale. I'm glad I hit Clarksdale. That was fun. I'm that, still talking about it. That was a it. good one. Yeah. I'm still talking about it. So. I feel like you need to go there. Yeah, I am. I've got to go to Clarksdale. Like, I'm still excited about it. We're, on, we're, we're past it, and I'm still talking about it. All right. <laughs> so, uh, hang on a second. I'll turn this back on, and I'll let you know where we're at. Okay, we're back. I threw the dart. It's my turn. All right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little explanation of what we do. All right. I throw the dart, and if we go somewhere, we we really quickly look and see what we can find. And sometimes we can't really find anything at all. I hit a very small town. There just wasn't anything there. So I threw it again, and we hit. Redding, California. Redding, California. And right away, I said, Shannon, you're going to have fun. I mean, not not that this is fun. Right. But it is interesting to look look people up. And we, we, we do, I mean. We are doing a true crime podcast, so this is interesting to us. I mean, we gotta we we can't get around that. It is yes, um, and it's in the past. Yeah. It's not like it's. I now. said, yeah. I immediately said, Redding's right on I five. There's an I five killer. Like there, there you've got something. I mm-hmm. don't know if he's linked or not. Um, I said, Ted Bundy was in California. The seventies in California were crazy with serial killers. 
I don't know what was going on out there, but it was wild. It yeah, was wild. it was wild. You know, Paul Holes, uh, who's a, a famous investigator, he's got a podcast right now. Uh, Jensen and Holes, check that one out. He uh, he was down in Contra Costa County, down close to San Francisco, and uh, he talks about you know he's talking about cold cases all the time in California mm. back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, um, so this should be interesting for you. Yes. And Redding's not a small town either, so I know I'm going to find some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all, well, I mean, just as soon as we hit it, I was like, whoa, we've got, this is going to be a big one. It looked beautiful, the yeah. pictures. I mean, California, Northern California, mm-hmm. no-cow. Do y'all call it that? I don't know. I know there's so-cow, <laughs> but I don't know if you call Northern California no-cow or not. Uh, I've got a friend that lives in Northern California right now. I want to go see her and her husband there. they got an awesome awesome place out there uh, it's not it's not it's a lot closer to Reading than it is here uh, and both of them grew up here in East Tennessee and now they live in, uh, in Northern California okay so we'll see uh, see what we find out guys thanks for uh, thanks for listening uh, we had a pretty pretty long podcast today so y'all have a y'all have a good week we'll see you back here next week see you next week bye 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 <laughs> <laughs>